Welcome to Bootstrappers Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs scale their business with remote teams. I'm your host, Jeremy Aspen, here with my co-host and spouse, Gwen Aspen, and together we have helped hundreds of companies grow their business through remote professionals. If you want to achieve those big, hairy, audacious goals for your business, this is the podcast for you. On today's episode, are you getting in the way of your own success? Yes, you probably are, because we all make this mistake. Today, we'll learn how to re-engineer your goals with our guest Steve Rosenberg, and overnight success 15 years in the making. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the show. Hey, Gwen. Good to see you again. It's so good to see you too. Now, um, I, I think we should start, a lot of us know who you are, but for those of us who don't, just give us a little background on you. Boy, that's like an <laughs> onion, right? With a lot of layers. Right. Uh, so uh, Steve Rosenberg, I, uh, my business partner, Pete Newbig and I used to have a company called Empire Industries. Uh, we built that up, scaled it pretty large uh, to a degree. Uh, eventually sold that company. And uh, now we kind of have both kind of gone into our own entrepreneurial paths. Uh, I work with business owners, property management companies, um, showing them how to systematize kind of their business and their life based on my other career that I have, which is being an, an international airline pilot. So I, I use my background of being a pilot to help people in their business models. Oh man, I love that. Uh, because that Are you sweet talking my husband what? right now? Who is this guy? Just, I'm, just laying, I'm just throwing some flower petals out there. <laughs> yeah. That's all oh right. Wow, this he's is like going to heaven. Me. He's going to leave me, he's, Steve, when he hears things like that. Yeah, the systematizing <laughs> thing is like, because yeah, I, I'm a pilot too. And, and I was in supply chain logistics and ran an airline for a little a while and and that part that logistics kind of thinking is it's the physical realm but you can bring it inside to any company and 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 use those same skills to make a company better it's great that's a great skill to have being a and pilot like and you must be smart as hell to be a pilot <laughs> and right? all those checklists you know people are like too good for following a process or procedure or a checklist but we know from air uh, you know the airline industry or flying with jeremy because i'm definitely not a pilot like you just use the checklist every single time and then that's how you get repeatable results is when you use a repeatable process and yeah. i it sounds like that's how you help people yeah you know i i think that it's one of those things everybody always wants to know what happens behind that door when they sit down right but if you if i came out of the cockpit door one day and said hey guys i've really never done this before i think i have a good feeling i'm gonna go off of my gut i've never been to hawaii i'm not actually sure how to get there but wish me luck it's a thin layer of clouds yeah, yeah, you know, so again, there's there's some inherent trust with pilots because of our training, yeah. because of our systemization. And so if you could take that same concept and, and put that, implant that in your business, in your life, whatever that is, you know, the, the whole goal of having a business is having it run without you, because if not, it's a job, it's not a business. Well, and so, and so that's a great point, especially for companies that uh, are interested in selling. Because yeah. one of the biggest things that you can sell, and it, and certainly one of the largest things you can use to lever for more um, more money, is to have something to turn over. Like, hey, here is the step by step, mm -hmm. uh, whatever, right. to accomplish everything that we do. And actually, that's usually more valuable, or almost as valuable as. Um, as the assets and the contents of what the company well, produces. A hundred percent. I mean, when someone's buying a business, whether it's property management or anything, but 
they're buying the system normally. Now they could be buying the contracts, but the contracts are a direct relation of how you ran your business. Exactly. If everything was run by you, I did this, I did that. And they're going, I'm not buying you. I'm mm -hmm. buying the contracts that were based around the business model that you had. So one of the things that when I coach people, one of the first things I ask them, and I was taught this by, by our mentor, um, Brad Sugars is what's the sale date? So you have to start mm. with the end in mind and work it backwards. Meaning what date is the business a saleable asset? Meaning that it's running without any involvement from you, because if not, it's really not a saleable asset. It's a job right. and nobody wants to buy you because they want to buy the business. They don't want to buy you. And so like anything, if you, if we all said, we're going to go to dinner at 8 PM, we know, okay, we've got to leave the house at 7:30, which means I got to get ready at 6:30, which means I got to get home and walk the dog at 5 30. We reverse engineer going to dinner. Mm -hmm. The end goal is dinner. Well, if you're building a business, many people just get a business to have a business with no end goal. So that's like just saying, we're going to get on the freeway. We're just going to drive and drive and drive. We don't know where we're going. We don't know where we're getting off. And we don't even know when we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. That's what people do with a business. And it's never a business. It's just a job. Yeah, that's right. So I have a question. I mean, you are, I've known you for a number of years in the property mm -hmm. management industry. And I think the one thing when people talk about you is you're a visionary. Like you just yeah. are really good at at that end in mind. And one of the things that I think is really important, especially if an entrepreneur feels stuck um, or they're going through a rough patch, that vision, your ability to create vision or stir up vision in others is one of the ways that you're able to inspire a lot of people in the industry. So I'm just curious, you've made a lot of changes in your career where you made a key decision that changed the trajectory of your life. And I kind of wanted to walk mm -hmm. through a few of those. So you were you were a um, commercial pilot, you still are, but that was like mm -hmm. your primary way of making money, correct? correct? For a long time. And then you decided mm -hmm. to get into real estate and not just get into real estate with like one toe in the water, but I mean, you named your company Empire Industries. So I think you had mm -hmm. like the vision. What was it that made you actually take that leap because like I said, it's not like you took a baby leap. You took a leap all the way in. And it seems like that's how you live your life. Well, you know, it, it started me getting involved in real estate. You know, I kind of came, I, I don't want to say backwards. Probably a lot of people started this way is I started off, Pete and I both as investors. Um, and we, we built up a portfolio of real estate like many people have. Mine was out of necessity, not out of want, because on September 13th of 2001, two days after 9-11, uh, I got delivered a furlough notice oh, that yeah. said, hey, Steve, you're a good pilot, but we don't need you anymore. Mm. It made me realize that that idea and the thought of having a safe, secure job, it was never safe and it was never secure. So I looked to real estate as I didn't know anything about it. I read a book a week. I did everything I could because I was almost in a race against time to figure out how to figure to be successful in something else to survive and pay my bills. So it wasn't like, hey, this would be kind of cool on the side. This is, if I don't do this, I'm not gonna eat soon. Mm -hmm. So that was the 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 real estate investing side. And, and anyone who owns real estate as, as you guys do, you know, it has an interesting way of just when you think you're smart enough, it comes like a wrecking ball and will clean your clock. Yeah. And that's what it did to Pete and I. We bought a bunch of properties. We bought some bad properties, some bad assets. Uh, we weren't running them correctly. And real estate has a way of letting you know that you've made a mistake. And it we it spared us no, no mercy. 
which was why we had the management company because nobody wanted to manage our properties because they were so crappy. Ah. So all of a sudden now we we were self-managing these properties. We had no idea what we were doing, um, but we said, okay, if we were an investor, how would we want our properties to be run? So we started just structuring it. I mean, me being an airline pilot, Pete, as you know, from the IT world, we started setting up the infrastructure. Well, after we stabilized our properties, we started having other investors that we knew come and ask us like, hey, could you guys manage our houses? And the first answer was, hell no, we do not want your problems. Like we barely figured out our own. I do not want your stuff. But then Pete and I started talking. We're like, you know what? Maybe there's something here. Like maybe we could manage other people. Like this is how much we knew about the management world. We're like, maybe we could just manage these other people's properties and maybe we can make some money at it as we buy more assets. So what we did is we went to a business coach. Now this guy knew nothing about real estate. He knew nothing about property management. He coaches on business. We showed him what we had and we said, look, this is what we did. This is where we're at. And this is where we think it could go. He says, let me look at it. I'll get back with you. He comes back a couple days later. He goes, well, there's definitely an opportunity. There's for sure a market and you can scale it. The problem is you two guys are not the smartest people on the planet and you'll be bankrupt in six months because you do not know how to run a business. So we hire him on the spot. So now Pete and I have a business coach. We don't even know what we're doing, but we stuck with that guy for seven years. Every single week, Pete and I got went into his office and we got our butts kicked on building a business. Huh. And the difference that I would say is, you know, Pete and I were very good as, as soon as we started kind of maturing as business owners, we did two things very well. We respected each other's position. We stayed in each other's lanes. I just happened to be this visionary that was a gregarious person. So I gravitated towards sales and marketing. Pete liked the systems and operations. So he gravitated towards that. We very, very rarely crossed into each other's lanes. We respected each other's lanes, but we also built a business as business owners, not as property managers. So you get a lot of people in this industry and they tell you about their property management skill set. That's I, I, I'm not going to say that's wrong. I'm just going to say I, I don't think that's the right way to approach it because you own a business. The business just happens to be property management. Right. It could be dog food. It could be home building. The business is the business and all businesses run the same. Pete and I were fortunate enough to have this business coach that showed us how businesses run. And so we always looked at it a little bit differently not that we were smarter, we were just taught from a different school of thought on how to build the business. And Pete gave me the autonomy to just to just go. He's like, just do your thing, Steve. I didn't know it. I just kept going and going and, you know, getting myself into uncomfortable positions, thinking bigger, getting I started getting different coaches to learn how to speak, to learn how to communicate. Pete got coaches for his thing. So we kept expanding on self-development at the speed that we that was humanly possible. And so I don't know if that answers the question, but that's kind of how we got into this world. Um, yes, yeah, so it does answer my question. And actually, because you do come across so confident, so extroverted, uh, it seems to people looking at you from the outside that you were always this visionary entrepreneur, but it sounds like you kind of grew into the role over time. And I think that's important yeah. for people to realize because it seems like, it's too big of a project if uh, if they think that you were just always this 
visionary entrepreneur and had it all yeah. going for you, you know, since you were in kindergarten or whatever. No, it's, and you know, it's funny is I always tell people like, they didn't teach this to me in pilot school. Like mm -hmm. I was, all I ever wanted to do as a kid was be a pilot. I never wanted to do anything else except fly planes. At 25 years old, I got hired. I was the second youngest person hired at Continental Airlines. Um, I would have retired number two had there not been a merger. I was, I, that, I was living the life I wanted. My, my should became a must when all of a sudden I got my furlough notice. And it's kind of like when you hire employees, I've learned that good employees are not hired, they're created and bred by the leadership of the company. So if you see a lot of turnover with employees, I go to the leadership. And I'm right. like, we have a leadership problem. We don't have an employee problem. Right, it's like that uh, extreme ownership concept. Absolutely, um, absolutely. So I, I just, I've learned, obviously I, I'm, I'm okay in this skin, if you will, of, of who I am. Um, but this is a learned skill. This is not, you don't, this isn't magical. Like I didn't have a fairy come and tap dust on me and say, okay, Steve, you're going to be this, you're going to speak on stages and you're going to travel the world and do this. I had to, I had to work really hard. And, you know, again, it's, it's the overnight success is 15 years in the making. People look, may look at Pete and I and go, yeah, those guys got lucky. But again, you know how it is. Nobody sees the hard work that goes right. in to becoming the person that you are. And so the transition, and I know you want to talk about this, the transition of selling to mind and then my next progression, you, that's equal work. It, it doesn't just happen. Like I had to consciously keep putting myself in uncomfortable positions. Maybe it seems easy, but that's only because that's a byproduct of how hard I work in the off season and at night times when no one sees it, just like with you guys in your business, same thing. Right. And so, and I, it was interesting because you said that you had thought because you worked with your business coach about that sell date. So was that sell date always part of the plan when you started working with, what did you call him, Mr. Sugars? Sugars, yeah. Well, Sugars owned the franchise. And so the answer is no. Um, so it's a funny story. So he was speaking at an event. He owns the whole franchise of Action Coach. And we had one of his coaches in Houston. So I think it was in Vegas or something. And he's speaking at this event, you know, a couple thousand people. And uh, he's an Australian, like Darren Hunter to them. And so he drinks. And so I'm sitting at the bar and he sits next to me. And I'm just, you know, I'm like, I don't want to bug this guy. You guys just spoke, you know, hey, Brad, great, great event. Thanks a lot for sharing the knowledge. He's like, no problem. So we have a drink. And he's like, so what's the date? And I'm like, date for what? He goes, the date you sell your business. Now, mind you, he just was up there talking about creating generational wealth and how to pass it down. So I'm thinking, oh, this is a test. Like he wants to see if I was paying attention. So I'm like, Brad, like we're not going to sell the business. Like we're building this to scale and grow and go national and build generational wealth. And I remember he just kind of looked forward and he shook his head. He goes, you don't get it. And now I'm getting a little uncomfortable. Now I'm being like, oh man, why did I sit next to this guy? Right. And he's like, and again, said the same thing that I just said. If you don't build it with the end in mind, it goes in the someday file. The someday never comes and all you have is a job. And at the end of the day, it will kill you and run you into the ground if you do not figure out how to master this one thing. So now I'm like, okay, thanks, Brad. Like now I'm like sipping my drink. Like he goes, so when's the date? So this is in 2015. Our company's just a couple years old. Like, I didn't know what to say. I said, uh, I go 2020. Like I just, I just threw that out there. And he goes, Steve, 2020 is not a date. I want a day, a month, and a year. Now I'm thinking this was a huge mistake <laughs> sitting next to him. And I'm like, February 1st, 2020. Like, I just want to stop this conversation <laughs> at all costs at this point. And he goes, write it down. 
And so I pull out a napkin and I like, I asked the bartender and I write down February 1, 2020. He goes, remember that date. He goes, all I'm going to say is remember that date. I'm like, okay. Like, I just want to get out of there now. As luck would have it, call it what you want. Pete and I sold the company October 1st, 2019. Wow. That was never the plan. We never had that intention. Things evolved and things happened. Is that relatable? I, I don't know, but I've got to imagine there's something sitting in our subconscious that mm -hmm. I'm thinking of this all the time. Well, and then also people are really afraid of, okay, what is it I'm going to do after I sell yeah. the company? Like yeah. people don't think about like, all I know is, you know, I've put my heart, uh, my soul into real estate as this property man and this property management company. It's really hard to think of like, there's a different industry where I'd be happier or do better or, or expand my knowledge. So the thought of like someone in there, cause you guys were, I mean, really young, right? You sold yeah. your company. How, how old were you guys about? Um, I'm 49 now. So I was what, 46, 47. So it's pretty, so it like two, it's yeah. like mid career to sell right. a business that you could ostensibly yeah. have run for a long time. And something that happens pretty, like if somebody brings it up to me or when we're having a discussion about, yeah, what are you gonna do when you retire? What, what What's your retirement look like? You know, it is, it's almost a scapegoat because just because I can't imagine um, my world post-working, because I really can't. Like, I'm not looking forward to sitting you're on not like built. And, you're not built for relaxation. Yeah, I'm not going to be relaxing a whole bunch. And, <laughs> but what I think that's also done is given uh, me an excuse to not necessarily set that date. Because, you know, I, I loosely, I think we've put a date out there like 10 years from now, something like that. But that's not a real commitment. It's like, okay, well, I'll be almost 60 or I'll be 60 years old at that point. Is that when I want to retire? Who cares? It doesn't matter if that's when you want to retire. That's when you're going to move on to the next phase, right? Is essentially what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, and, and look, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people identify themselves in what they do. I'm yeah. a property manager. I would say, no, you're a business owner. You just happen to own a business that's property management. A lot of airline pilots have this challenge. They retire. A lot of airline pilots die within two or three years of retiring. Is that right? they don't know what to do. Their whole life was being a pilot. And they're just like, I, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's why or what, but, but it, it changes your identity. You have an identity shift. For me, selling the company, and I know this, this was a question, Gwen, is, you know, I, I People have asked me a lot, like, why did you guys sell? Like, you yes. guys were doing very well. We were scaling. We were starting to master the game of property management and doing well. And, you know, now we have a lot of wave of, of, of mergers and acquisitions, which we could have been a part of, of on the on the buying side type thing. Um, that's all speculation. Who knows? But the one thing I'll say is, and this is what I always tell people, is I have learned that our lives are like a book. And books are made up of chapters. Chapters begin and chapters end. Our high school years were a chapter. We had a definitive end to that chapter of high school, hopefully. Uh, college, same. <laughs> our 20s, chapters. Our 30s, chapters. For me, my 40s are almost a chapter. So I tell people all the time, chapters begin and chapters end. To me, personally, it was time to close this chapter because I wanted to move on to something else. Now, if you talk to Pete, he really didn't want to end the chapter. I did we really needed each other to make this work. And respectfully, we agreed, you know, for, for personal reasons, he and I had conversations and we agreed, okay, this is the right thing to do. Um, but, but I look at it, you don't have to bleed that chapter out until it's a horrible ending or it's just, you're miserable and you hate it. Sometimes you can leave a chapter on a high. To me, I had higher aspirations of what I wanted to do. 
And so for me, it was like, you know what? It's time to end the chapter. It could have been the best decision in our lives. It could have been the worst decisions. We still don't know. I mean, we're happy with it. I'm, I'm very happy with what I'm doing, but you never know. I mean, could we have missed a very high, bigger payout? Possibly. Could we have missed, you know, more camaraderie? Possibly. But the question is, is what's the opportunity cost of me staying in the business as opposed to me doing what I want to do. So that makes sense. So right. I do have a question. Before you sold, were were you clear on your next step, or was no. that no? You just no. knew that that chapter was over, and you you just had faith that you'd figure out what the next chapter was. I, I had an idea. I knew I wanted to be more of a speaker. I wanted to get out more in the influencing world. I wanted to do more coaching. Um, you know, I felt that I had a skill set that I think I could help more people. I think that, you know, it, it, I don't know what what it, what the draw is, but I think that if, as you get older, you know, you first you do, then you teach kind of, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I just feel like at this point in my life, I'm still an airline pilot. Financially, I think it's safe to say I do okay. Um, I don't need to coach, but I love it. I really, really enjoy helping people see that light bulb go off. Why? I don't know. Like I'll talk to other people and they're like, I'd freaking hate doing that. Everybody has their jam. But my jam was, okay, I just want to grow this and help people get to the next level. And if it means doing this, so I, I kind of knew what I had to do. Um, and I, I didn't think it would be fair to Empire and to Pete for me to still own that and go off and do what I wanted to do. Yes. It just So the, at the time that, that mind knocked on our door, to me, it was just like, okay, this is this is time to close the chapter. And so I wanted to be, you know, and Pete and I, we we still we're still good friends. We still have good relationships. And and we had a lot of conversations. I was like, look, I want to be fair to to you and me going and doing this, I don't think would be fair. I don't mm -hmm. I think it, it it could end badly if I go down this path and you're not happy with it. And I don't want to do that. And right. uh, you know, Pete, respectfully, um, I mean, he's, a, he's such a great guy and a really good friend of mine. He said, you know one of the reasons that he said that he agreed to the sale is he knew that if I, if we didn't, it probably would have been a, a end or a very severe cut in our friendship. Mm -hmm. So he did it okay. to keep our friendship together because no business is worth that. It's not like we were at odds. We hated each other. Nothing. We were, we were doing fine. To me, I just was not happy and it was time for me to end my chapter. Wow, it sounds so similar to Jeremy and my story with Wistar Group Property Management because those people, we raised our children together. Oh yeah. They are like family to us and that relationship was more important than really anything else. And since we had kind of decided to go in a different direction and start Anaquim, same thing, Steve. We felt like it wasn't yeah. fair for us to be totally out the door emotionally, mentally, physically, uh, physically yeah. um, with Wistar Group when they had a lot going for themselves, but we were just kind of occupied with a different business yeah, we that were, fed our souls, right? Uh, and it was, and, and kind of the a point you brought up earlier, we had like 53% of the company or whatever, so 53% of the value that the company brought went to us and not the people that are actually working in the company. Right. And that wasn't fair at all. And that's ultimately what ended up having to happen because over over probably not many more years or even months, it would have festered into like, Jeremy's got all this, uh, you know, we're working really hard to help make sure that Jeremy and uh, Gwen. Yeah, it, it, it would have turned into some dissension, maybe yeah. some mm -hmm. anger, maybe some hatred. And then the culture, you know, as you guys know, the, the toxicity of the sure. culture of a company can disintegrate very, very quickly. And, you know, 
I'm not a big believer of the fair word because I don't think anything's fair, but I do believe in communication and understanding the vision. And and I think a lot of times, you know, if, if you're not giving 100% to the company, are you really doing the best thing for the company? Yeah. Like you said, you, right. you realized you weren't, so you made a selfless decision. Selfish would have been, I don't care, I'm keeping 53%. Selfless is when you go, you know what? This isn't really the right thing to do. I'm going to punch out because someone else can steer that ship for the vision and goals of the company. Well, that's kind of like the servant leadership method, right? Absolutely. Like you're there to make sure that your employees have the best life possible. And if you're not the best leader for whatever reason, it really is your obligation to them to get out of the way. And so, so no, I really love that you said that. Now, um, the other thing I just want to touch on is that self-knowledge. So as you went into, you were sure, well, you weren't sure, but um, you said you wanted to do more speaking and more coaching, but that's kind of as you go through those trials and tribulations, you learned more about what your true strengths are and what you could really contribute. And I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs know that. And then you aligned your next job with your biggest strengths. Do you agree? Absolutely. I, I, you know, as we mature in this entrepreneurial world, you start to realize and gravitate, I think, towards what you're good at. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm a big believer of, you know, playing to your strengths and outsourcing your weaknesses mm -hmm. and outsourcing can be, you know, a system, an automation, or, or, you know, like you guys, a virtual assistant. I'm a big believer that to try, you're going to be good at one thing. You're going to be okay at multiple things and you're going to suck at a lot of things. I want to be good at one thing. My one thing is, is like you'd said, being outspoken, being a visionary, showing people how to do that. Now, the things that I'm pretty good at also, because I've been trained, is through systemization, being a pilot, showing people how to run the business through systems and structure so that you don't have a job, you have a business. What am I bad at? I'm bad at accounting. I'm bad at getting down and dirty into the weeds. I'm, I'm bad at those things. So what do I do? I'm like, hey, meet my good friend, Errol Allen meet this person, you know, because I'm not good at those things. So why should I try to do those things? Mm -hmm. I try to focus, you know, they, they call the opportunity cost. If I'm saying yes to everything, I'm really saying no to a lot of things. Right. But if I say yes to one thing, right. And I'm saying no to everything else, that one thing I'm saying yes to, I'm going to be the best I could be because that's my laser focus. So it sounds to me as you made the decisions about your various businesses and the big steps that you took that transformed your life, it seemed like you were focused on knowing your strengths, what your values were. So like you were saying, you valued your relationship with Pete and you wanted to make sure that, you know, that relationship stayed strong. So you made decisions there. And then, uh, and then knowing that those chapters may close at certain points, but if you're clear on your values and what you're good at, um, then you'll always find another way, you know, do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Look, you know, we, we, we think we have an idea in our head, right? We, we think we have this per perfect picture. It's kind of like everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. And then you realize, <laughs> okay, maybe that plan didn't work so well. Right. Yeah. So it's one of those things that we, we all have an idea, but you know, as entrepreneurs, that's kind of what we do. We go out in the, the dark murky water because we have a vision, you know, a, a, I tell when I coach people all the time and I, and I coach a lot of different industries now um, I'm coaching these guys that are, they have a, they're doing about 25 million a year in revenue for roofing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what's the goal of the business? And they said, we want to be at a hundred million dollars. So my question to them is, is are you being a hundred million dollar CEO? Mm -hmm. Because if you're not a hundred million dollar CEO, you're never going to grow to a hundred million right. because you're not that person. So either you need to step out of the way 
and hire a $100 million CEO, or you need to start doing what it takes to be that person. So you've got to go out in that dark, murky water, nervous, afraid at nighttime, and you got to start making stuff happen. Otherwise, you need to get out of the way and you need to be selfless and let your ego go and put that person in. So it's a matter of doing things that you're not comfortable with, but you do it anyways. So, okay, so I want to just go to your strength, which is this visionary thing which you're talking about right now. So you help people with their mindset a lot. Like, let's say you have a um, person that you're working with and they're stuck. They're just in a bad place. They've had some successes behind them, but they're just not sure where that next the next step. What kind of advice would you give them to get them, um, to help them find their own vision and their own way again? Well, yeah, that's a great question. So one of the, let, let me, if we back this up a little yeah. bit, cause it's, it's hard to have that initial conversation. A lot of people think that they want freedom, right? So when I talk to people all the time, I'm like, what do you want? Like, why'd you start this business? Well, I want the freedom to do what I want to do. And I'm like, how's that working for you? It's not. I'm like, so you're so so you're failing at your plan right you wanted a you wanted to have a business so that you can go do what you want but you're more tied down than ever so you think that you want freedom but the reality is you could sell everything that you own today go live in your car at the park right and you'll have all the freedom that you want right yeah but if you just you make your expenses yeah. less you can have freedom you know yeah you can live you can live you know you can live in a shack at the bus stop <laughs> and you can be fine but what you won't like is you won't like the memories that that freedom creates. So really what we're buying is we're not buying freedom. We're using the money from a business to give us the freedom to do what we want to buy the memories. We're really, that's all, look, when we when we all have an expiration date over our head, the only thing we're walking out of this world with is our memories, not our freedom. So my question to them is what memories do you wanna buy and at what cost? So let's, so I, I again, reverse engineer it. Mm -hmm. What is it that you're going for? So if they're like not, if they're in a rut and they're not doing it, look, uh, you kind of know me and, and I'm not a pat yourself on the back, it's gonna be okay. I'm like, nobody cares. You still have to get up and do what you have to do. That's, that's the world, that's the choice that you made when you wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, you don't want the, the being told what to do. Okay, fine. But now you have to do that dark, murky water conversation. Mm -hmm. So, I need to know what memories do you want to buy and what are those costs? You may say, I want a vacation once a month, you know, for two weeks, every month I want to do this. Okay, well, what does that cost? Mm -hmm. There's a cost to everything. And what date does that happen? So many people, they get on the freeway of entrepreneurship going the wrong way in the wrong direction at lightning speed. <laughs> and then they're like, this sucks. I'm so busy and I don't even know where I am. I'm like, cause you had no destination. You're not going anywhere. And look, I, I could sit here and, and sound like the smartest guy in the world. I didn't know this when we, when Pete and I first started, we just started the business like most people. However, we've learned. And so if I can help people with that, my first question to people is, what do you want? And more importantly, if you have a spouse, significant other or children, what do they want? Mm -hmm. Is everybody going in the same direction in the car together and know where we're going? I think as entrepreneurs, we can be selfish. And the reason I say that, you guys obviously work together, so you're at an advantage. A lot of entrepreneurs, you know, let's say we go to NARPM, right? We read these books, we watch these podcasts, we do all this stuff. We learn all of this knowledge to help support our families, but we never actually share what we've learned with them. We shoulder the strength, so that's being selfish. If we were selfless, then we would say, hey, let me show you what I'm learning. I'm not saying you have to do it, wife, husband, child, 
but let me just show you what I'm doing. And that's the selfless part. We all think that we have to burden it because I'm quote unquote an entrepreneur and I've got to carry the burden. I think that's ego and that's pride. And those are the biggest success inhibitors. So when people are miserable, it's not just the business. There, there's so many factors to that. So I don't know if that answered the question, but it's a, it's a hard question to answer unless I know the specifics of the person. Sure. Well, it goes to that mindset. The I think um, because in any business, as you know, I mean, they're ups, they're downs. And my feeling is that like America, just in general, everyone's <laughs> with the pandemic and like yeah. political upheaval. People are like down, really sad right now. And it's impacting uh, emotionally a lot of entrepreneurs. So I think just getting maybe sitting down, writing in a journal about what you actually want in life and then creating a true plan to get there is kind of how you help people set a new mindset. Is that, am I on track or off track? Is yeah. there something you'd yeah, add? No, I, I think that that's, that's a good assessment. It's look, the biggest challenge with entrepreneurs is the six inches between their ears or four inches, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> if you're a big head, maybe six, but anyways, um, the biggest challenge is, is, you know, you, you sit there and you think about being an entrepreneur and people wake up every day and, and I think that being a successful person, there is a recipe for that. There's, if you look at people that are very successful, they're not magical, they're not super smart, they're not very hardworking, they follow a successful recipe. Now, if you look at people who lose in life, they follow a specific recipe also. I tell people all the time, every day that we wake up, we have a decision to make. Am I gonna take the successful recipe today or am I gonna take the loser recipe? I've got a choice. Every day we get a reset. What are we gonna do? So most entrepreneurs, they dwell, it's like they they hit a bump in the road and they're so busy staring in the rear view mirror, they're just staring at that bump that they hit that no one's looking out the windshield. So they tell me all the reasons why something won't work. This won't work, that won't work, that won't work. And I'm like, you know what, you're right. They're like, I am, I'm like, if you believe it, you're right. I mean, I, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not here to convince you. If that's what you think, that's what you think. However, is it safe to say that there are successful people in this industry? There are people that have done it. What is it they're doing differently? They're just thinking differently. They took a different recipe. It's like, if you want to bake a cake, you don't put the icing on first and then put it in the oven. That's not going to be a successful cake. Yeah, it, it's it. What it boils down to, I think, is uh, in large part the discipline. That's what the leader leader has to have. They have a the, have to have the discipline and couple it with the procedures and the it. vision. And uh, yeah, and, and know where you're going. Uh, big deals there. Yeah. Well, good. Oh my gosh, Steve, we could talk to you for ages. This is so exciting. I feel more inspired already. <laughs> Um, Thanks. I really do appreciate it. So I just want to confirm you hold a bunch of retreats, I believe, from your website. Is that true? In a mansion? Uh, is that retreat true? is kind of a weird word, but we could say that. But yeah, so I do. I do a couple things. I do. Uh, I do coaching. Obviously, I coach a lot of property management people in the industry um, just because obviously my background um, and knowledge of people want to know how to grow their business and systemize it and stuff. So obviously I have firsthand knowledge with that. Um, but I also do these masterminds. So I do these three-day masterminds uh, and, and one of my mentors taught me how to do these. And the reason I do them is I, I try to get people in front of other influencers that they would not normally get in front of. And I do this in a very small secluded area. So I may get 10 or 15 people together entrepreneurs. And I'll bring in people like Bradley, um, who owns Lightspeed VT. 
this one coming up, I've got the Iron Cowboy. I've got uh, Dr. Kevin Elko, who is Nick Saban's mindset coach of the Crimson Tide. Mm. Uh, and then Errol Allen, who we all know is is also speaking. But when you're sitting in a, in a mansion with 15 entrepreneurs and them, it's a much different conversation. Oh, and sure. the reason I do that is you've got to break the cycle of changing your mindset. And so by being around these people and being around entrepreneurs that are doing seven, eight figures in revenue, you realize, okay, these guys are not much smarter than me. They just do something different. And so mm -hmm. this mastermind is to show you how to break down mentally you, but also break down your business so that we can rebuild it with a blueprint of success so that you walk out of there going, okay, I now have the blueprint. Then I give them unlimited coaching from me so that I can work with them, whether day, night, weekends, it doesn't matter. They get me whenever they need me to get them to achieve the goals. And so I think it's a one-two combination, but it's it's just been, it's proven to be very successful. And like I said, I've got people in there doing 100,000 a year and I've got people, these guys coming are doing 20, I think 22 million a year, mm -hmm. but everybody has the same challenges, right? They've all got roadblocks and a lot of them are between their ears. Right. Yeah. It, and so you help them with the plan. And then it sounds like you act as an accountability coach. So when yeah. they're I'm off the guy track, that they have to call. Yes. I'm the guy that they have to answer to when I say, I want this done by Friday. And I actually call them on Friday and say, is it done? So is and that part like, of no, the whole, like, I want it done. Is it kind of a subscription sort of service where you're their coach and there's a regular meeting and they tell you that they agree to do something and then you're like, okay, well, did you do it? Yeah, it, I mean, it's not necessarily a subscription. They get unlimited access to me. So oh, okay. they get my phone, my text, my email. So, I, you know, they may say, hey, I just need to bend your ear for five minutes or, hey, I need an hour. Whatever they they get me whenever they want me. That's 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 my promise to them with unlimited access is, you know, the ones that are going to do it, they're going to take advantage of it and they're going to reap the rewards. I mean, I've seen mm -hmm. some people that are growing their businesses by leaps and bounds, both in property management and other ones because they take advantage of it. It's kind of like going to the gym right? I could take you to the gym, but if you don't do the weights, there's nothing I could do. I can give you access to me. I can give you all the manuals, the systems, all the stuff you need, my Rolodex that I open up and you get all of my connections, but I can't do it for you. So if you don't want to do it for you, there's nothing I could do. Whether mm -hmm. it's monthly meetings or having access to me every single day, I'm kind of like a CEO in your pocket for when you need me. I love it. I love it. I'm sure that's extremely helpful to people. Well, we'll put your information in your website in the show notes. Really appreciate your time, Steve. Yeah, thanks a million, Steve. Good talking to like, you. Really great talking to you. Like a breath of fresh air. So. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate the time and thanks for having me on. Thanks, Steve. If you want to solve your labor challenges, scale your business faster than your competition, alleviate back office support struggles, and overcome operational challenges with the most talented workforce, then Anaquim is what you need today. We'll take our support beyond the podcast to focus on your company's needs with a specific and proven way to overcome challenges and grow your bottom line fast. Contact us directly so we can get started today. Uh, our emails are in the show notes and our website is anaquim.net.